This is the Daily Signal podcast for Wednesday, June 30th. I'm Rachel Del Judas. And I'm Virginia Allen. The cultural influence of movies, TV shows, and even YouTube videos is being felt with greater significance today than arguably any other time in history. It is for this very reason that James Fitzgerald and John Popola founded media companies to promote the values so many Americans hold dear. Fitzgerald and Popola joined the Daily Signal today for back-to-back interviews discussing the power of storytelling and how their companies are furthering American values. Don't forget, if you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure to leave a review or a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and encourage others to subscribe. Now, today's interview was recorded at the Heritage Foundation's Resource Bank Conference, so please excuse any background noise. And now, on to our top news. California is restricting state-funded travel to five more states over what California's attorney general calls anti-LGBTQ legislation. The state of California will no longer fund travel to Arkansas, Florida, Montana, North Dakota, or West Virginia, arguing that these states have taken harmful actions against the LGBTQ community. In recent months, Arkansas, Florida, Montana, and West Virginia have all passed legislation that bars transgender athletes from competing on sports teams that don't match their biological sex. And North Dakota recently instituted a free speech law that the LGBTQ community calls discriminatory. During a press conference Monday, California State Attorney General Rob Bonta said, make no mistake, we're in the midst of an unprecedented wave of bigotry and discrimination in this country, and the state of California is not going to support it. There are now 17 states on the list of states that California restricts state-funded travel to over LGBTQ legislation. Los Angeles County is asking that people wear masks indoors and in public places due to the spreading of the Delta variant of the coronavirus. In a press release, the Los Angeles Public Health Department said, Public health strongly recommends people wear masks indoors in settings such as grocery or retail stores, theaters and family entertainment centers, and workplaces where you don't know everyone's vaccination status. Until we better understand how and to who the Delta variant is spreading, everyone should focus on maximum protection with minimum interruption to routine, as all businesses operate without other restrictions, like physical distancing and capacity limits. California ended its mask mandate on June 15th. The start of the Olympics is only a few weeks away, and debates over the national anthem have begun. Last weekend, Gwen Berry came in third for hammer throwing at the U.S. Olympic track and field trials, qualifying her for Team USA. As Berry stood on the podium to receive her medal, the national anthem began to play. She turned her back to the American flag and held up a T-shirt that read, Activist Athlete. In an interview afterwards, Barry told the press that playing the anthem while she was on stage felt like a setup. I felt like they did that on purpose and I was pissed, she said, and added that I really don't want to talk about the anthem because that's not important. The anthem don't speak for me. It never has. Veterans and lawmakers have voiced their opposition about Barry's behavior, 
questioning why she is representing America in the Olympics if she doesn't like America. Senator Tom Cotton said on Fox News Monday that if Miss Barry is so embarrassed by America, then there's no reason she needs to compete for our country. She should be removed from the Olympic team. And Representative Dan Crenshaw echoed Cotton saying on Fox that we don't need any more activist athletes. She should be removed from the team. Now stay tuned for my back-to-back interviews with James Fitzgerald and John Papola, both founders of conservative media platforms that are using storytelling to promote American values. If you're tired of high taxes, fewer health care choices, and bigger and bigger government, it's time to partner with the most impactful conservative organization in America. We're the Heritage Foundation, and we're committed to solving the issues America faces. Together, we'll fight back against the rising tide of homegrown socialism, and we'll fight for conservative solutions that are making families more free and more prosperous. But we can't do it without you. Please join us at heritage.org. I am so pleased to be joined by Jim Fitzgerald, the founder and president of Coldwater Media. Jim, thanks so much for being here. Oh, you bet. So tell us a little bit about Coldwater Media and what you all do. Coldwater Media got started in uh, in 2000, um, basically because my my son came home from Bible class and said he he thought it was boring, <laughs> at from his Christian school. And I and at the time I had sold my previous company. I was looking for something to do. I had been involved in the making of a couple of documentaries with a friend that I'd I'd funded. He had a small production company, and uh, and I had learned. You know a little bit about what the production business is all about, and uh, and that was my son's comment, combined with uh, my wife had given me a book, from Chuck Colson, uh, "How Now Shall We Live," which mm-hmm. kind of opened my eyes to the concept of Christian worldview for the first time, mm-hmm. and uh, the combination of those two things inspired me to start a media company mm-hmm. and create excellent media. I I was not seeing a lot of excellent conservative Christian media uh, at the time. Where does the name come from, Coldwater Media? Well, it's it's a combination of a number of things. Uh, I think my wife was getting a a catalog from Coldwater Creek at the time, a clothing store. And I thought, oh, that's kind of an interesting uh, combination of words. And then uh, the idea of Throwing cold water on an old idea, you know, was was appealing. And then also the Bible verse where it talks about, um, you know, giving a cup of cold water uh, and, uh, and that you won't lose your salvation in the process. So I thought it didn't sound Christian-y and... and uh, and it just sounded like a, a good idea, so yeah. we did it. And we've gotten a lot of compliments since, so uh, apparently it's, it's a good name. It is a good name. No, it, it's re- it has a refreshing sound to it. Yeah. Of course, cold water. <laughs> yeah, and every, it's already in everybody's brain, right? Exactly. I love it. I love yeah. it. So your son, in many ways, was the inspiration for the founding of the company. Yes. Uh, and obviously, you all make... Uh, you know, media that is often targeted towards a Christian audience. Also, I know, you know, American values are very important in the films you make. So talk a little bit about, you know, the types of projects that you all have done and and the types of projects that you all aspire to do. Well, the first project we did dealt with the subject of how 
Darwinian evolution is taught in school. And we did that with in uh, working closely with the Discovery Institute in Seattle. And, um, and the story at the time was a, a young teacher getting persecuted because he dared, you know, kind of question some of the orthodoxy. And, uh, and he was, they didn't have the term canceled back then, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s. So, uh, but that's what they were doing to him for daring even posing some questions about uh, whether or not these things were true that were being taught. And several of the things that were in the books that he was supposed to teach had since been uh, really abandoned by even the most ardent Darwinists. You know, they heckles embryos. They decided that those were fraudulent pictures. So why was he expected to teach that? that that's just one example. Then we, uh, not long after that, started the drive through history series, which we're still doing. We're going to do our 100th show for the 4th of July uh, a special that we're doing. And uh, drive through history is an opportunity to, to reinsert the Christian story and the conservative story back into history and uh, have some fun with it and along the way. We wanted to appeal to kids and, and since it's kind of turned into a complete family program that kids and parents can watch together and both enjoy. Yeah. And, uh, and so we've covered many subjects with that. We started with ancient history because we knew that all kids had to study that. And then we went to American history and then we went to uh, the Holy Land and uh, the New Testament and now we're doing um, all the American holidays and telling the history of each of the holidays. And, and it's been amazing. When we took that on, we, we just thought, oh, that'll be nice. And, and all of a sudden, we realized every single holiday story is under attack, mm. dramatically under attack, from Martin Luther King, which was the first one we did, to 4th of July is really in the gun sites of the left. So um, we've really been... So what it's turned into is a civics lesson, uh, through the telling of our uh, important holidays and uh, and days of remembrance, we we've uh, we're doing 9/11, mm. Mother's Day, Father's Day, we even did Valentine's Day. I told the story of that, but all of these things have been become highly politicized, and so it's been an interesting exercise to do that. So when you say that that you're doing those projects, are those you know like a, a 20 minute you know sort of short film explaining things? Is it an hour and a half? What what does the format look like for these? Most of our drive-through history shows are 26 minutes. Okay. The the specials that we're doing in the holidays are, uh, I think 50, 55 minutes. That's great. And um, so they're being broadcast on Trinity Broadcast Network. Uh, they've been our partner for since 2003. Wonderful. Um, and, uh, and then we also turn all of these into a curricula because we found out that homeschoolers were using them. And they were, kept saying, why don't you have a curriculum to go with this? And we said, well, we're not really in that business. Well, now we are. Now you are. And so we, we created curriculum to go with it and a, a complete streaming service to uh, offer those. That's excellent. You know, we know that media has a great influence on society, but how much credit do you think we should really give it? How big of a role truly does the media play in impacting what society looks like? Well, I used to, um, since the advent of the smartphone, <laughs> I used to every once in a while check in with how many hours a day are people using these devices 
and uh, and so I did that again before coming here. And they stop putting hours to it. They just go, okay, 95% of American teenagers have a smartphone, and they use it constantly. <laughs> so it's no longer eight or nine hours a day, which is what it used to be. Wow. Now it's just all the time. Right? And so is there a question as to whether conservatives should be involved in trying to find, uh, you know, connect with through that device. Hmm. Yeah, that's so, so critical. If we're all going to be on it, we have to be aware of what are our options? What do we actually have to consume? And if there's nothing uh, that's really showing those positive values out there to consume, what do we expect to happen? That's so, yeah, so critical. we're not in the game. I mean, the other messages will either be neutral or against what yeah. we believe. Yeah. You know, I do think that some conservatives are hesitant to enter the media space because mm -hmm. it is thought of as being so left-leaning. Right. Were you conservative when, when you decided, okay, this is something that I really want to pursue? Um, and, you know, how did you kind of think through, okay, I'm going to bring my values into this space? I've always been conservative. I never had a weird moment where <laughs> I decided to leave the reservation. <laughs> Which, I don't know how that happened, but I, get, I had great parents. Um, so, I've always been kind of stunned at how little uh, interest conservatives have had in that. I, you know, I, I understand uh, the importance of books and, and classical teaching, and I believe in all of that. But I also believe that uh, we're all using these devices, we're all connected, you know, whether it's we're all consuming huge amounts of media, and, um, and we've missed the boat on so many critical points in, in the, I won't use the word evolution, uh, <laughs> in, in the advancement of technology or the, uh, the change uh, in the uh, media landscape. I, I was in the cable TV business before I was, uh, before I created Coldwater Media, and um, conservatives missed the boat largely there. They could have had an amazing presence for not much money uh, at that time. And, um, and the other thing I would say that um, kind of drives me crazy is the fact that uh, the left has done a really good job of build, building business models around indoctrinating our kids. Hmm. And they control the schools, and they control the media, and we pay for it yeah. on both sides of that. And, uh, and so I think from day one, it was important for us to figure out how to, how to create business models so that we could be self-sustaining and not just rely on charitable efforts. Yeah. So for young people, or really anyone, who's thinking, okay, I'm conservative, I have a passion for, for film or TV or just the media space in general, what would be your advice to them? Uh, it would be to to do try a lot of things because you're going to it's probably not going to be obvious how, how what your path is going to be. Um, there's going to be a lot of twists and turns along the way, and so if you really love it, you should be doing something with it every day, whether you're getting paid for it or not. I saw that passion with my own kids. Uh, mentioned to you that I've got two sons that are have a media company together and they were just putting friends together out there uh, creating 
photography sessions, uh, making short films, um, always trying to figure out how to do it better and, and to do it creatively, whether they were getting paid to do it or not. And then they figured out how to monetize that yeah. later. Yeah. But I think that's the big indication of whether or not it's your, your passion is if you're if you're consumed with it, you know. Yeah. But it's not easy to just say, oh, go here and you'll get a job doing this, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because it's still being created, mm-hmm. this conservative media landscape. And what are the skill sets that individuals should really be pursuing? I mean, is there a greater need for people behind the cameras or directing or all of the above? I think the, um, the tendency has been to, to be a bit of a jack-of-all-trades. Mm-hmm. You know, when when we started, it was, uh, and and still like in the movie business, if you look in Hollywood, you know, union shop, everybody has their very specific task, and and they do large projects, and it's important that everybody knows what they're doing and and does it quickly and well. But in in uh, the world that I operate in, pretty much everybody does a couple things, yeah. and. Uh, uh, the host of Drive Through History, Dave Stotts, was a camera guy first, and then an editor, and uh, and then he was so funny. I just said, "You need to be in front of the camera," you know. And um, but he still edits the shows. Wow. And so he's been able to work out a, a a good life where we're out shooting in the field, traveling, having to do all that, but then he can be home a lot and edit. Yeah. Um, and he long ago got over the I, the weirdness of editing himself. He, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Just have to get so, over that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, how can our listeners find all of the all of the wonderful products that you produce, all of the um, the series? How can they discover and follow your work? Well, coldwatermedia.com and uh, drivethroughhistory.com would okay. be the two places to go. Very, very simple. Yeah. Great. Well, Jim, thank you so much for your time. We really, really appreciate it and appreciate the work that you're doing. It's thank you, Virginia. So important. Appreciate you having me. Never has it been more important for us to fight for America. Each day, we see the penalties of progressive policies across our nation. Our elections are under assault. Our economic freedom is on the decline. And our culture is turning its back on the founding principles that have made us the freest, most prosperous nation in history. That's why the Heritage Foundation developed a plan to take on the left and take back our country. The Citizen's Guide to Fight for America provides a series of heritage-recommended action items delivered on a regular basis to your inbox. Make an impact in your community and in our country. Sign up for the Citizen's Guide at heritage.org slash citizens guide and join in the fight for America today. I am joined by John Papola, the CEO, creative director, and co-founder of the media company Emergent Order. John, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for uh, inviting me to be on. So tell me a little bit about Emergent Order and you know the kind of creative projects that you all do and produce. Well, you know, we started Emergent Order, the production company, 10 years ago, really with the idea of bringing free market, you know, principles to life through entertainment. Uh, I, I, my background's in television. I was a creative director at Spike TV and a producer at Nickelodeon and MTV before that. 
and I'm probably best known for the Keynes versus Hayek rap videos, yep. which were my first bit of free market activism in 2010. And when those sort of came out and found an audience, I found my muse and I said, okay, I, this, is, this is what excites me, these ideas. And we started Emergent Order, the, you know, the name of which is very much inspired by Hayek and the power of markets to create bottom-up solutions to problems. So, you know, that's been our focus for the past 10 years. And, um, and it's been an incredible ride. We've produced an incredible diversity of content. Uh, one of the best pieces is a feature documentary with Arthur Brooks called The Pursuit that, you know, you know, talks about how markets lift people up, especially at the margins. And, um, and there's a lot more coming, so it's been an exciting ride. So what drove you to say, okay, I want to start a media company that specifically produces content around the ideas of you know, individual freedom and dignity and civil discourse, you know, these really core American ideals? Well, I've always been interested in debate and, and discourse, and I've always been fairly conservative. In fact, when I was growing up as a kid, uh, every family get-together, I would debate with my Uncle Bill, who is a, a lawyer in Philadelphia. He's the, he was actually the chancellor of the Bar Association. And I would take the Republican side. I was like, you know, I loved Alex P. Keaton. And um, in fact, true story, my, my most rebellious thing I did in high school was sneak off to see a live taping of Rush Limbaugh with a girl I liked. <laughs> so you want to so talk rebellious. about conservative cred. <laughs> There's, I, I want to find the tape of the pan across the audience with my like 17-year-old head <laughs> Just all excited to be there. Yeah. Um, but so I've always been interested in, in, in these ideas uh, and um, and thought they were important and that you know our institutions matter, our philosophy, our ethics matter. But I also am a creative person, so I wanted to be a Disney animator. I worked in television. You know, how, this is just a marriage of my two passions. Well, you had mentioned uh, the rap video, the Keynes versus Hayek. In college, my government professor played that video for our whole class to really, and you know, everyone it was like a light bulb of like, oh, I, I get what this difference is. It's so practical. I love that approach of breaking it down in a way that people can really understand. Young people can really understand. So actually, I want to take a minute and just play a clip from that. Let's take a listen. Sounds great. We've been going back and forth for a century. I want to steer markets. I want them set free. There's a boom and bust cycle and good reason to fear it. Play more interest no, rates. It's the animal spirit. The place you should study isn't the bust. It's the boom that should make you feel leery. That's the thrust of my theory. The capital structure is key. Malinvestments wreck the economy. The boom gets started with an expansion of credit. The Fed sets rates low. Are you starting to get it? That new money is confused for real loans. Funds, but it's just inflation that's driving the ones who invest in new projects like housing construction. The boom plants the seeds for its future destruction. The savings aren't real, consumption's up too, and the grasping for resources reveals there's too few. So the boom turns to bust as the interest rates rise. For the cost of production, price signals relies. The boom was a binge, that's a matter of fact. Now it's devalued capital that makes up the slack. All right, so John, how do you come up with these kind of creative ideas? You know, I have a fairly simple formula for a lot of the work we've done. And it's because we're talking about these subjects that are so sort of uh, neglected yeah. in pop culture. I like to bring pop culture sort of um, memes and methods 
to them. So with that, it was rap music. <laughs> and like, let's be clear, like really old school, 89 beats per minute rap music. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. not, this, this wasn't like uh, the cutting edge of rap. <laughs> but it rap. worked. It worked. <laughs> and it, you were able to understand it. It was really, really brilliant. Yeah, so we've done, we've done, we've done a, uh, you know, romantic comedies, love gov about about the relationship between um, individuals and government. We've done, you know, dr dramatic recreations, and, and and so I think there's something fun about sort of marrying different formats and and bringing an unexpected sort of style to a topic that typically isn't treated that way. Yeah. And I also love parody. I love, um, you know. Uh, pop culture references so yeah. it, it, that's been a big part of how we approach things what is your or who is your primary audience you know I think at some level I think anyone that's intellectually curious is in the is in our potential audience you know when when we created the Keynes versus High Graph videos and most of our work for that matter you think about the audience but something that really works tends to transcend narrow audience segmentations that being said, I worked at branded networks. Nickelodeon was for kids, MTV was for teens and tweens and young adults, Spike was for guys, men. Um, and so I really understand the, what it means to build a brand around an audience. But because my unifying interest has been these philosophical concepts, we've sort of jumped around in terms of the audiences that we, that we focus on. Um, in fact, we're in our new um, work that we're, we're starting now as Emergent Order Foundation, which is a new organization we've created uh, to, to speak directly to, to, to targeted audiences, uh, we're going to be really focusing on, on dads and on what it means to be a dad and the role of fatherhood in building and preserving the institutions of a free society that I think is uh, is under threat and really in crisis in America. That's critical. How do you do that, practically speaking, in a in a media format, in videos? How do you communicate those ideas, encourage fatherhood? Well, so I think one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is 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 you know what is the point of storytelling? Like what is storytelling? Because you know I've been working with uh, think tanks and organizations that ask that question uh, over, uh, you know, of themselves at a fundamental level and for, for a decade. And, and for the prior 10 years in television, 15 years, you just take it for granted. Yeah. <laughs> you're just storytellers and you're, you're just trying to figure out the best and coolest ways to do it. I think at, at its heart, a story is a moral mechanism for revealing character. You know, when you think about what is a story, a story is about a, a character, and that character goes on a journey in which their character is revealed. And so when we think about what are heroes, heroes are characters that model virtue. That's what they really are. That's why we hold up heroes. That's what a hero is. And so I think the role of storytelling has always been about modeling the good, the true, and the beautiful modeling um, heroicism. And I think for dads and for, and I think for men in general in, in America, and I think even in the West and the first world more generally, I think we need a reassertion of modern heroes. Yeah. I think we need to put forward the positive vision of what you as a father and as a man can be and do for your family, for your society, for your country, that is important and that 
is heroic and that is an identity you should embrace in a positive way. Mm. And I think that's what storytelling can do. I think great stories inspire you in that way. I, I, storytelling can't do everything. You have to take action. You have to live in the real world and have experiences. But stories frame those experiences. It's why we tell our kids stories at mm -hmm. night. It's why we have fairy tales. It's to help us tell right from wrong. Yeah. And I think that's the role that storytelling plays in for, for fatherhood, but also just for people in general. Yeah, yeah. No, I know for myself, I think nine times out of ten, you know, I'd, I'd rather listen to a story about a subject than just hear a bunch of facts about it. I mean, it, it's great to understand the facts within the context of a story. It just makes it way easier to grasp and allows you to, I think, to remember it a lot clearer as well. There's a lot of power in that. I, you know, I, I think there's a fair, it, there's, it's, there's a fair amount we don't understand about the brain, but but I think we do understand, at least at some level, that we're, we are evolved to accept things in narrative form, that our, our minds sort of store things narratively, and that, that, that that's a powerful, I mean, think about it. What, what did even the earliest humans do? You know, we were eating, sleeping, having sex, having kids, and Doing cave paintings, yeah. telling stories, oral Drawing tradition. Pictures, yeah. it, it, it's it's the way that you know language. Everything about being a, being a human is tied to story. Our, even our notions of what time is is kind of narrative. Mm. And when time, when you could get into sort of like theoretical physics and time breaks down, like our understanding, it really blows our mind because we're we're very linear narrative creatures we yeah. think in terms of this then that yeah and um so i think it's fundamental it's like eating and breathing you just need it yeah so specifically when it comes to really communicating you know big ideas and principles that we hold dear as americans how do you do that well for young people how important is that to be able to you know really break these ideas down uh, in a way that young people can grasp understand and even get really passionate and excited about through the medium of media so when I was at Nickelodeon, we had this little saying, it was almost an internal rule, that you never say fun in a, in a spot. Um, you know, you have to be fun. Yeah. Because if you have to say, this is fun, this is cool, there's no chance it's fun. And there's certainly, you have given up on being cool a long time ago. So when I, uh, when I was there, I actually didn't imagine being at a kids network. It just happened. And so I, I produced a, a movie trailer for, um, it was called the Rocket Power, uh, 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 Rocket Power movie. It was their first TV movie. And I said, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna make this an epic action movie trailer. I'm gonna get Don LaFontaine, the guy that did In a World, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I'm gonna use all the tropes of big movie trailers to do this sort of silly TV movie. And at the time, it actually was the highest rated TV movie that Nickelodeon had ever broadcast. Wow. I remember going to my aunt's in, in Ventnor, New Jersey, and there was a little sticky note on the tube television that, that said February 16th at 9, because one of my nephews had seen my promo for the Rocket Power movie trailer and was like, oh, I got to see that, and wrote down the sticky note and put it on the TV. So that, that's a long-winded way of saying the way you reach young people is the same way you reach anybody by just doing a good job and being authentic and not trying to reach the kids or pander to other people. You have to find the kid in yourself. You have to treat your audience like they're smart. 
and um, and have fun and, and, and be fun and not say fun. Yeah, yeah. So how can our listeners watch the, the dad series that's coming out, watch all of your content? How can they keep up with what you're doing? So I, I think the first place you can go is to our website, which is eo.foundation. Mm-hmm. And you'll see a, a lot of our stuff sort of embedded there on our work page. And our current YouTube channel is youtube.com slash emergent order. Um, and we will probably be launching new channels in support of some of these new things, but that'll be a great place to start and get connected. That's great. Well, John, thank you for the work that you're doing. This is so, so critical. I think as we think about the challenges that are before us as a country, media plays a really big role in facing those challenges. So thanks for stepping up to the plate and being willing to promote these big ideas in a way that you know we can all understand and that are actually also really enjoyable. Your videos are just fun to watch. So well, thank, thank you. you for making them. I appreciate it and thanks yeah. for having me on. It's been a pleasure. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. You can find the Daily Signal podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Please be sure to leave us a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and encourage others to subscribe. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with you all tomorrow. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Kate Trinko and Rachel Del Judas. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.